welcome to the Voice of Aged Care podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Julie Badgick-Smith, and in over a decade, I have helped to improve mental well-being of hundreds of older Australians. This podcast offers an authentic insight into well-being in late life, practical tips for those who support our elders, and all the inspiration to keep you going. I truly believe that every older person has a number of strengths that can be uncovered and promoted to help the older person achieve better mental well-being despite the changes in their health status. Hi, today I'm going to talk to you about a common theme that derails all of us at times. And it's about being ethical and maintaining professional boundaries. Now, I know, I know, look, it sounds scary and you might think automatically, oh, you know, I would never breach any rules or laws, but this episode is not about getting you in any trouble. And I'm not trying to scare you away. It's more about making you aware of what is going on around you and what you're paid attention to and how you're responding to your environment. And I'll also offer you some advice on how to deal with tricky people. Now, I know that you all work in different settings and your workplace environment is highly diverse. So some of you are in a physical office or in a clinic or in a hospital or, you know, you could be the living home uh, support. You might be going to different clients' homes throughout the course of the day or in an aged care facility. So the, the settings can be quite wide and and unique and defining what workplace is it's different for people who who are not in an office who who are out and about or who you know who are doing telehealth so it really doesn't matter where you work if if it's a home or you're commuting every day maintaining boundaries and ethics is so important and uh, you know for your role in support supporting the older person in in escalating any concerns they might have more than anything, it's it's important to to have those boundaries in place that demonstrate professionalism and that we're not leaving any sort of stones unturned if we have concerns about well-being of our clients or you know whether we think that we've delivered a service to the best standard. So look, I get it. I'm not suggesting by any means that you need to be cold-hearted and to not have any level of self-disclosure, that quite frankly is very unrealistic. And if the older person, you know, asks about you and your family, I always say, you know, give the response. You don't have to go into too much detail. If they ask where you live, you can say, you know, you live over the bridge or, you know, being open is really important. And I think it, you know, it, it certainly helps you build that engagement with the with the client. And it's, uh, you know, those sorts of little details are so important to to get the rapport right and to have that connection with the client so that you can help them. And, you know, if you're being all cold and standoffish, well, you know, think about it yourself. If if you have any service provider who's not open to any discussion with you, you don't, it's a lot harder to establish that rapport. But it's also, you know, on the other hand, important to set those professional boundaries and, and to clearly have a definition of what your role is. 
because it's not about you. It is about that older person. And if we, you know, on the other hand, have too much self-disclosure, it can really murky up the waters with the client. And, you know, I've certainly had instances when I thought, oh, you know, was that okay? Like, should I have said, you know, having this breed of a dog or having two children or, or something else? I think those sorts of things are okay. And, and, and I know a lot of us working in aged care, we build those close relationships with clients. And you know, sometimes I, I hear people say, yes, you know, my clients are my friends. And, you know, no, they're not your friends. You, you're providing service to them, but you can become friendly and you can certainly have a close relationship with your client that is beneficial for your client whereby you're warm, you're engaging, you're responding to their needs. But it's also not good if then the client doesn't want service from someone else because they just want it from you. Like we also need to maintain those boundaries whereby if we have any concerns about the client that we are escalating them. So let's dig in a little bit deeper about the boundaries, maintaining professional boundaries and being ethical, because I, I do have to tell you some good news and the bad news. So on a serious note, when we talk about workplace ethics, it talks about a set of rules or regulations that need to be followed by all staff of the workplace. So if you work for a large organisation, that would probably be within your employee contract. Companies may need the employees to sign various documents including companies' rules or regulations, agreement, you know, not accepting gifts from clients could be one of those examples. And also the employees may be given a handbook that may serve as a guide about, you know, code of conduct and rules. For health professionals, we have code of conduct and it's quite clearly outlined about the behaviour that's appropriate when you are engaging with a client. For companies who deliver direct services, or for large organisations such as hospitals, you might have guidelines, not just about rules and regulations, but, you know, communicating effectively, taking responsibility, developing professional relationships. And also it's important for employees to always take the responsibility for decisions made both individually in a team. So, you know, being accountable, upholding trust, respecting your colleagues, professionalism, they're the sort of things that are usually covered quite well. And I've seen it, you know, unfortunately, HKA is not an Im- immune to all those common issues that come up in the workplace in terms of workplace conflict or someone in your team not being a team player or not wanting to work alongside you to support the client or being avoidant. And I'll, I'll give you some tips about that. But I just wanted to cover more broadly about what is ethical behavior and what then falls under unethical behavior. So I've just listed now some of those ethical behaviors, you know, that are important important as professionalism, respecting your colleagues and such. But, you know, on the other hand, you've got the unethical workplace behavior. So taking credit for others' hard work or harassment, verbal abuse, violence, being presented with challenging situations. And, and I think it's, you know, it's it's not, you know, when you work with vulnerable people, it's it's not just about the behaviour of your colleagues. It's also about being in a situation, challenging situation when you support the client as well. So 
I'm just going to break it down a little bit about, you know, the difference about ethical issues and maintaining boundaries with with your colleague versus with a client. And, you know, this this episode in particular is more so about ethical behaviours and boundaries with with your clients. It's We're not going to tap into too much workplace issues. And I know that a lot of you are under the pump. You've got, you're juggling a lot. Like I, I admire so many of you, like just being able to juggle such a busy work schedule and work and life balance. It's, it really is incredible. But let's talk about you for a second before we move on and about the, the good and the bad side of being unclear in relation to ethical issues with with your with your clients. So the the good thing, first I always like to talk about the good things first. The good thing is being ethical means demonstrating you're using evidence-based practices in your work, that you're escalating any concerns about your client, you know, be it about their physical health, about their emotional support and the such. Being ethical means you're not leaving the issue with you. You're escalating it so that when you finish your work at the end of the day, that you you know that you've done absolutely everything that is required, and that if you if you have any concerns about your client, that you know you pass it on to management, you pass it on to a GP, you pass it on to other health professionals, so that you work more effectively as a team. Being ethical also means being a really good team player, and. You need to be a good team player when you support another person. You can't do it in isolation. A carer in a community can't do it in isolation. A loved one in the community can't do it in isolation. You have to be a team player. So by escalating concerns, you are being proactive and you're not leaving things not done or unattended. So the good outcome of being very conscious about ethics makes you a good team player and it also helps you balance your work and life balance. You you conduct your role with with a level of professionalism that is required. You know, it, it is even if it, it is for social support, you still do it professionally, and that, that's so important. The downside of not being ethical is that there are illegal behaviors, or there's unethical practices, or sometimes it could even be neglect. So it could just be something that you know might seem like it's not a big issue, but it could actually end up being a big issue in the long run. So I'll give you an example, you know, so if you've got a client who, you know, says to you, oh, I have more bad days than good days, or look, I'm down most of the time, you know, in your role, you might not pick up that that's a sign that they're trying to tell you that they're not doing well. And it might come to stage where you might suspect that they might not be emotionally well or you might see them crying or, you know, being distressed. Or even, they even might say to you, you know, what's the point of living if, if they're in pain, if, they, if they're not sleeping well, if they've got a number of health issues, if they, their mobility is reduced, if they've lost their loved one. If all these things kind of happen and, you know, the, the accumulation of grief and loss can be huge in this population. So, by not escalating those concerns, it could be more detrimental to the older person because if we're leaving things for longer time, their status can actually decline. So going back to being ethical and maintaining professional boundaries. So, you know, seeing your client 
as a client, not your friend, is really important in thinking about, well, what is it that this person might need right now? And, and what type of support they might they need is really important. So if you notice that they're not being themselves, because um, chances are the number of you who see your clients regularly, you would notice those little subtle changes that might happen. You could be that pivotal decision maker that gets that extra support for them or that encourages them to get that support. So it's really, really important to be clear about that and to then move on to, you know, the boundaries. And the good thing about maintaining those professional boundaries is that you focus on the client. And by focusing on your client, not your own needs, you know, you don't use your client contact about yourself and and to discuss what's going on in your life. It's really putting it back onto the client and what is going on for them. You can actually maintain your work and life balance a lot better. And there can be times when, you know, you might be going through difficulties yourself. You might want to offload to a client what is going on about your life, but it's so important that you get the right advice and support externally from that contact with the client. Your client is not your um, your counsellor. They're not your um, advisor. I know sometimes it can be very tempting because, they, you know, you think they've lived a rich life full of experiences and it might be really good to, you know, tap into some of their skills in terms of problem solving if you've got a trouble, you know, in your relationship or in your life. It's really important that you maintain those boundaries because you want to protect your client as well. And by not having those good boundaries, your role becomes quite ambiguous and it can also lead to more stress and burnout in you as well, having those murky boundaries and and not being able to, you know, having too much disclosure that goes on or not taking seriously issues if a client's threatened self-harm or, you know, there's involvement with the family, there's complicated dynamics there if you don't escalate those concerns appropriately. I think it's really, really important to, to do that. So how do we solve unethical issues or issues that might happen in, in the workplace? It's, you know, not just having rules, but actually following the rules, accepting feedback and complaint. It's really important as well. Listing consequence for unethical behaviours. Like I've just given you an example now. What would happen if, if issues are not being escalated and dealt with? It's so important to think, what does that mean for, for my client? As well as, you know, any disciplinary actions that might need to be taken. If, if a client discloses to you that there was something that happened with another staff member, that you, you actually follow it through and that you escalate those concerns. Now, you might come to a, a stage where, you know, you are maintaining those boundaries and you are being ethical, but you're still dealing with challenging behaviour. In some instances, the client can be displaying challenging behaviours. And, you know, now, now I'm going back and it feels like I'm just doing the loop. And, and that's why it's really important that you are maintaining those boundaries with the client as well. So when we talk about challenging behaviour that the client might have, just keeping in mind four key things that I, you know, that I always go back to. The only person you can really control is yourself. Maintaining professionalism and those boundaries is important to know that, you know, you can't control the behaviour of your client or your colleagues or or anything else. Other people's behaviour is not always about you. 
it is also about them and their level of support needs or whatever they're going through in their lives. Number three, communication is best when you manage your emotions. So if your emotions are in check, you can actually have better communication. And approaching a challenging individual with compassion. So coming across as being compassionate, understanding, and also, you know, boundaries, maintaining those boundaries, escalating your concerns. It just it ties in into it so, so nicely. And I wanted to give you a couple of different examples of what you might do where you might feel challenged by certain situations. So you might be dealing with someone, you know, who is avoidant, or you might be dealing with someone who's angry, or when you're dealing with someone who's not a team player. And there's a different set of actions that you need to take for each one of those. So if you're dealing with an avoidant person, usually there's a history of tension in the relationship, but not always. So, you know, you could say something like, I've noticed that things have been a bit distant or strange between us. Is there something that I've done to upset you? It can be a great opener because you're actually filling that void and you are um, tackling issues firsthand. So this will hopefully prompt the other person to acknowledge that they were upset by something that you did or let you know that they've been having a tough time recently and it's nothing personal. And, you know, that ties in when, you know, when I say that you need to escalate any concerns, part of you being ethical and maintaining boundaries is actually about escalating those types of concern to make sure that that person can get the right help and support that is outside of your role. On the other hand, you might be dealing with an angry person and in those instances, it's really, you know, important to to maintain those boundaries. You know, you can say something like stop and use your body language or you can say I really want to talk to you but I'm not going to work or think while you are shouting at me. It's so important. And anger usually presents with, you know, signs of rudeness or shouting and there's no need for you to accept that. So the part of maintaining boundaries with an angry person is actually to physically put your hand out and saying, stop, use your body language to to demonstrate to them that that's not acceptable. And you are by all means actually maintaining those boundaries. And, and, you know, sometimes, you know, you could be the only person that actually speaks to that person. They might be a bit angry about what has happened to them early in a day. They might be, you know, impacted with, isolation and and whatever's going on for them and so the anger could have built up to the point that they've had an encounter with you so their anger might have absolutely nothing to do with you but by you reintroducing those boundaries you're actually teaching that person that you will not accept that bad behavior whilst being clear that you will continue to work with them if the communication is respectful So you are asking for respect, not only by demonstrating it, but you are actually requesting it of them as well. So whilst you might be being respectful in your engagement with the person, you expect the same in return. Now, the other example is, you know, dealing with non-team players. And let's face it, we can all, you know, think of a time when we've been working with someone who's not a team player. So it usually presents with the person not wanting to collaborate or work towards the same goal as you or just, you know, being quite dismissive. So you can say something like, I'd really like to work together and I know that you have a lot of experience that would be beneficial 
And I've noticed that in recent times you haven't wanted to be part of this or you seem distant. And I'd like to understand what is happening. So by offering help and flexibility, is there anything I can do to help that would make a difference? Can be so beneficial because you are again reintroducing your boundaries. Your professionalism is being demonstrated and you're being ethical. So these are the sort of examples and principles that underpin ethics and maintaining boundaries in aged care. And they're so important because you need to have those skills and those practices to best deliver the support for the older person. That is another episode of The Voice of Aged Care done and dusted. Make sure you don't miss out when I release the next episode by becoming a subscriber on over on your podcast app of choice. And if you can, please leave a review too. I'd love to know what you're thinking of this podcast and what you'd like to hear in the future. Now, the next thing you need to do is head straight to wisecare.com.au and check out my top downloaded resource five facts about me, which can drive better engagement with the elderly client regardless of your role in their lives. I'll see you at the next episode.